Tale thirteen of Grim Tales Made Gay. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Grim Tales Made Gay by Guy Wetmore Carroll. How a beauty was waked, and her suitor was suited. Albeit wholly penniless, Prince Charming wasn't any less conceited than a Croesus or a modern millionaire, though often in necessity no one would ever guess it. He was candidly insolvent, and he frankly didn't care. Of the many debts he made, not a one was ever paid, but no one ever pressed him to refund the borrowed gold. While he recklessly kept spending, people gladly kept on lending, for the fact they knew a title was requital twentyfold. He lived in 1663, this uh, smooth, unblushing article, since when, as far as I can see, men haven't changed a particle. In Charming's Principality there was a wild locality, composed of sombre forests and of steep and frowning crags, of pheasant and of rabbit too, and here it was his habit to go hunting with his courtiers in the keen pursuit of stags but the charger that he rode so mercurially strode and that the prince on one occasion left the others in the lurch and the falling darkness found him with no vassals left around him near a building like an abbey or a shabby ruined church his highness said i'll ring the bell and i'll stay till morning in it he took hobson's choice for no hotel there was in the vicinity his ringing was so vehement that anyone could see he meant to suffer no refusal, but in spite of all the din there was no answer audible, and so, with courage laudable, his royal highness turned the knob and stoutly entered in. Then he strode across the court, but he suddenly stopped short, when he passed within the castle by a massive oaken door. There were courtiers without number, but they all were plunged in slumber. The prince's ear delighting by uniting in a snore the prince remarked this must be philadelphia pennsylvania and so was born the jest that still the comic journal's mania with torpor reprehensible numb comatose insensible the flunkeys and the chamberlains all slumbered like the dead and snored so loud and mournfully and the charming passed them scornfully and came to where a princess lay asleep upon her bed she was so extremely fair that his highness didn't care for the risk and so he kissed her ere a single word he spoke in a jiffy maids and pages ushers lackeys squires and sages as fresh as if they'd been at least a week awake awoke and hastened bustled dashed and ran up stairways and through galleries in brief they one and all began again to earn their salaries Aroused from her paralysis, as if in deep analysis of him who had awakened her, the princess met his eye. Her glance at first was critical and sternly analytical, and then she dropped her lashes, and she gave a little sigh. As he watched her wholly dumb, she observed, "'You've doubtless come for one of two good reasons, and I'm going to ask you which. Do you mean my house to Harry, or do you propose to marry?' He answered, I may rue it, but I'll do it if you're rich. The princess murmured with a smile, I've millions at the least to come. The prince cried, Please excuse me while I go and get the priest to come. The moral, when affairs go ill, the sleeping partner foots the bill. End of How a Beauty Was Waked and Her Suitor Was Suited